Happy Jack's RPG Podcast, a roundtable discussion that's a mix of friendship, humor, unbridled enthusiasm, and tabletop RPG topics sent in from around the world. Just for Hello, and welcome to Season 31, Episode 9 of the Happy Jack's RPG Podcast. My name is Kimmy. I'm Emily. <laughs> And Clara will be here eventually. Where She's on her way. Uh, in today's episode, Kurt has issues with lines as veils as, safety, as a safety tool. Steve in SoCal struggles with creating moments of wonder in his campaigns. And DM Pete has finally made it through our backlog, which is quite, quite an accomplishment, I have to say. Uh, if you'd like to contribute a question or story to the show, you may email us at happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. That's happyjacksrpg at gmail.com. And uh, we could we could use some emails. We're not we're not in dire straits, but if you're if you've got a couple days over the new year, uh, write in an email, question, a story, something. All right. Indie designer of the month. We're closing out December. So Nura Rose, has, the owner of Monkey's Paw Games, she's a black, queer, trans, neurodivergent designer, has been our feature for this whole month. Each week we've talked about another one of her, the amazing games she's designed. Um, you can find her work at monkeyspawgames.com. This week we're actually going to be talking about um, a an incursion she wrote for the Trophy RPG, which is kind of like a, an adventure. Um, and that is The Court of the Radiant King. So the little pitch for it goes, Along the shores of a lake mirrored by strange moons lies a, uh, the fallen palaces of the Radiant King. His ancient and famous city was swallowed eons ago by the hungering wood. But legend, legends linger of the awe and dread, and treasures await those brave and cunning enough to survive a night exposed under the black stars of the King's Forgotten Court. So, and you can get that adventure that works with the Trophy RPG at uh, itch.io for three bucks. It's a really good deal, and it has amazing reviews on there. Um, and Newer actually has written some of the core um, world-building elements of Trophy too. I haven't, I haven't dove in, uh, dove into Trophy a lot. I've played like one one session, but they have a whole bunch of. Uh, things that are part of the canon of the actual trophy system. And she had to do with creating some of that too. So she creates amazing stuff for trophies. So you should check that out. And again, that's at monkeyspawgames.com. Trophy is one of those things like I hear amazing things about and I just have never, I just haven't had a chance. Everyone I know is like trophy gold. It's the best. And yeah, yeah. Trophy dark or whatever. And yeah. I'm like, mm, sounds mm, good. Mm -hmm. I, I have a baby. I don't, I don't play games anymore. Yeah. I don't even know what they are. What are, they, honestly. What are games? Yeah. Okay, but I mean, this 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 predates baby. Your baby's very new. Trophy has not come out in the last two months. Right, but you know, <laughs> I know life. It's, life is life is long and hard. And, yeah. I mean, I feel like I feel like my baby has traveled back through time to have just like been my excuse for my entire life. Uh huh. Like the week after I was born, I was like, I can't do anything. I, I have, have a baby. baby. Yeah. Hundred percent, and yeah. it, it kind of works. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like. like <laughs> I'll know what you're doing, but I'll accept it. <laughs> like sees like and recognizes. Yeah. Yep, absolutely. Um, and it does have this weird, like, like it feels like they've always been there. Mm -hmm. It's the mm -hmm. strangest feeling. Yes. I, my partner and I sometimes are just like, well, she's only like almost three. Like, we had a life before this. And we're like, I don't oh. remember. No, no, no. She's, she's been there always. No. There's always been a baby. Yeah. There will always be a baby. The podcast yeah. audience remembers before there was baby. <laughs> and we remember when I was running uh, uh, Masks, the Eidolon Academy, and I was trying yep. to hide how pregnant mm -hmm. I was on stream. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. we had the biggest name tags on stream for that game ever because I was trying to hide my, like, I was like eight months pregnant. It wasn't even a baby bump. It was a giant, giant bump, a large, a large baby bump. We should just go back and, like, edit references to our children into, like, episodes Everything. from 2009. Yeah. Yeah. Just be like, why is Emily here in 2009? <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. Claire's here. Yay. Welcome. I was so freaking sorry. I no worries. All right. So <laughs> it's okay. Uh, mailbag number one. And yeah. Dear Happy Jacks Forum, I never thought it would happen to me, but I wrote an email that might have crossed a line. No, really. Or maybe. 
I don't know because we haven't established our lines and veils when writing emails to the show. I imagine the line is Kimmy's gold banhammer, golden banhammer, that smashes down upon those missives that have just strayed into the nope territory. Sometimes, and sometimes I put those in specifically to call out the nopeness of them. But yes, I digress. That was me. Anyway, I, oh, anyway, it's, that's how you start the next line. It's not, yeah, okay. Anyway, I'm writing this email to whine in deep Gen Xer voice about lines and veils as a safety tool. I also want to state for the record that all of my lines and veils experiences have come from playing games with the fine folks I've met via the podcast and the Happy Jacks Discord. I have yet to use this tool in my home games. The X card is always available in lovingly crafted decima form. I'll try and get a sneaky plug in for this amazing R&D for RPG every time I write. I think the lines and veils have has uses, especially when it's a group of strangers sitting down at a game, especially online when subtlety is lost. I again want to be clear that this is no way meant to disparage the incredible GMs that I have had and the joy of gaming with here, but here's my complaint. Lines and veils are painfully specific, and yet trying to cover such a broad swath of territory that there's no hope of ever getting a thorough idea of what everyone is and is not comfortable with. And the more that it is attempted, the longer and longer and longer the list gets. Is there a better way? Am I doing it wrong? Am I just too old and crotchety? Is that toast burning I smell? <clears throat> uh, keep control of, of, of my length. Oh, keeping control of my length, phrasing. Yours, veiled and over the line, Captain Kurt, a.k.a. Curtis, a.k.a. DT Pints, a.k.a. Old Man, on the back porch. P.S. Safety tools are cool. All right. Hi, Clara. Hi. I have... <laughs> I have Start um... with a spicy take first thing. I'm, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I read it and I'm like, oh, oh no. Um, I have a weird kind of relationship with specifically the lines and veils or like... Um, usage of like lines and veils mm-hmm. um as a pre-game thing um and it's kind of weird it, it's really it's very personal i'm gonna say this now uh safety tools are amazing and if lines and veils work for you they yes do the thing i also don't wear glasses anymore because i don't need them anymore so you know i don't use the tools i don't need um so i have this thing where sometimes I just don't know what's gonna get me one day and so I don't love lines and veils for me and I prefer just having an x card on the table or a safety a safe word because um when I have to sit and think about what I like when I have to sit down and look at a document and be like hmm what's gonna trigger me in this game the answer is mm-hmm. yeah and so looking at lines I have a couple like standards and everyone else covers them usually <laughs> Yeah, uh, and I feel I feel like in the Happy Jacks games when we do our lines and veils, you guys are like I'm notoriously never filling them out. And it's like everyone else got them. I don't need you guys to. Like, <laughs> I don't need to replicate this. Clara, Clara, check the box. Check yeah. the box that says you looked at it. It's check like I, at least I looked. I promise I looked. I just you all <laughs> did the things, and I I'm not trying to be badass by saying oh I'm super cool with that. Like no, it's truly just I don't feel the need to be redundant most of the time, and I know that. We have the tools for, you know, there's an X card. Cool. Uh, Especially because, at least for me, and I'm sure there are people out there like this, sometimes I have days where something just isn't going to fly the same way. Every other time it's fine. But, like, I don't know, one day I will have a huge vendetta against the color purple. I don't know. And, like, a purple thing will show up in game. I'm like, absolutely not. No. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I... I don't know. I I don't mind lines and veils. I will absolutely do them, but I do find that they tend to be... It seems like they are within the mind of, like, there's this um, uh, subreddit called RPG Horror Stories, I think. (laughs) And, like, it seems like it's in mind of, like, oh, GMs who will, you know, force characters into sexual situations or things like that. And when it's a group of friends you know really well or, like, a group of people you know, like, you often kind of have a shorthand that precludes that. And I, I agree with you. Like, um, I don't always know what's going to hit me the wrong way. But also, like, I think it's good to get on the table. No, we don't want any, you know, sexual assault in this game. I think mm-hmm. it's good to say that. Um, but I do think the X card is a slightly more versatile tool. Or some of the things that Jay Dragon has done in Jay's games are mm-hmm. also very, like, smart ways to think about how you can create safety around the table. Um, but I do think that safety tools... 
you kind of need to have fewer the more you know the people you're playing with. Like at a con, you want to have as many as humanly oh possible. Gosh. But like if it's, you know, in one of our games, I'm usually okay, you know, not listing every single little thing that might bother me because mm -hmm. I know, you know, the umbrella will probably cover it. Yeah. And you know that you can trust the people at the table where if you hit something that's bothering you, you can like exit and people will all respect it and back mm -hmm. off. Mm -hmm. That's a big, that's a big element. If, you know, if you're not going to use lines and veils, which is fine. And I don't always, when I'm running games, especially I've been doing a ton of play tests lately and it's like the same 10 people in different like mixes <laughs> and we all play together all the time, you know, all these people. And it's like, <laughs> we know each other really, really well. And so it's like, at this point, I, you know, we all kind of know where those things are. And there are those times where, like you were saying, Clara, where it just hits different a certain day. And so we have always had the X card, too, as like our fail safe. Um, I think as a GM, I do love lines and veils because it helps me at the beginning. Like, we don't do lines and veils every single session. But at the beginning of the campaign, it helps me really know if things have changed for someone. Like, not to get super heavy, but um, like... A, a lot of a lot of us have experiences that we don't readily share with our friends, um, especially as a woman. Like there's been times where I've been sexually assaulted and things like that, where, you know, something that maybe I haven't told all my friends about it, but suddenly it's a thing that I don't want to deal with. Um, and that just like kind of gets added to the pile. And it's it's nice to have to know that I will have the opportunity to bring that up without having to bring it up, if that makes sense. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, uh, just as a GM, you're at, you're right. It's also a good place to um, sort of uh, when I'm starting to build a game, I'm like, uh, it's a good place to be like, ah, these people yeah. don't like animal abuse. No one likes animal abuse. Right. But won't won't like to see it on screen either. So I can't even have a villain kick a dog because I'm just like, cool, take it out. Um, and so it kind of guides how I start building a game. So I kind of like that, um, and we kind of we ran into this problem when um, Queens Court Games was starting to do more like cult the cult games. Where now what's Queens Court Games? Oh God! Uh, <laughs> hi, uh, I uh, got conscripted onto another podcast a while back at the beginning of the pandemic. There are friends. It's okay. Good. Um, <laughs> Not my friends. I don't know them. All. <laughs> well, we'll change. We'll that. have to fix that. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Um, but. Uh, we do Vampire the Masquerade, which makes me a dirty vampire player now, and I'm into it. <laughs> so fun. I, it's where a lot of my sociopathy comes out. It's yeah. Good. It's good. <laughs> it's good. Um, but the... Uh, what you were saying about Mike yeah. the Veil, vale. sorry. But yeah, so they were, we were getting ready for cult, uh, cult game, and the conversation became like, is this an actual line that's going to trigger you, or can we push at it because it's all, we're doing horror, and horror should be a little uncomfortable? Mm -hmm. And... Um, it was interesting because I had to sit there and be like, oh, I guess I've never had to really question whether I'm okay being, like, scared in a game setting. Like, so there's a, it, I don't know, it was a little interesting to have that perspective of setting up a game, knowing lines and veils, so that we kind of, like, with veils being able to be like, how far can we push that for the purpose of horror rather than uh, making a, like, I mean, it's always a safe space, mm -hmm. but letting you, you know, safely explore things that scare you, which yeah. is what I, you know, horror is for. Yeah. And reflecting on that, like think really sitting and thinking about because a lot of times horror is a like a viewing experience in our society. We watch a horror movie and as scary as it is, we know it's a movie, you know, we can turn it off if we get too scared and it's done. Like a, a immersive experience with emotions involved, like a role playing game is a very different place and it's a very different experience. I um I think that lines and veils are useful as the start of a conversation and yeah. not as a hard and fast thing in and of themselves because my idea of animal abuse, to use your example, might be very different from your idea. Like I might not think that someone kicking a dog is animal abuse because like technically it is, but it's like on the really low end of that scale. Mm -hmm. So I think it's worth having that chat but also like i'm someone who has just like so much trauma and the way i handle it is i run directly at it and i'm like hey look at that that sounds fun um <laughs> so yeah it, it is worth it is worth being like hey emily you said you don't want to include this but like what's what how how hard and fast is that line and then we find the like the little gaps in that wall that i'm comfortable with mm -hmm. i think that's 
really useful, especially if you're having that conversation with a GM. And then it sort of gets to the territory of like, well, do I want to confess my deepest, darkest secrets to Kimmy? And I always do. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's, it's yeah, it, it is a thing where it's like, it is better as a conversation than it is as a, you know, strict set of things. Obviously, you can't have that conversation conversation at a con. But also, if you're playing in a game at a con and somebody's like, I want to include all the sexual assault, I would just leave that yeah, table. Just, oh, yeah. <laughs> Kick them out. Like, just done. Just red flag immediately. Yeah. Um, one thing I really like that I just started incorporating, um, Lloyd is running Heaven on High, the City of Mist game for us right now. Oh. And he shared an amazing Lines and Veils sheet that he shared with them, which I immediately stole and edited slightly so it's a little bit different um but one of the the columns for it is interested so yeah so that like one of the things that i hadn't thought about before i'm i used it for um my one ring game and like one of the things is ghosts and someone put interested and nobody else put like line or veil for it so i was like oh i i wouldn't have thought previously to put like ghosts um in you know my my little shire like adventure but now i'm like okay they're interested in that so that's like, okay, maybe I'll tie that in somewhere. So I, I like that they've, that like, different groups. I think that one was added by the Gauntlet. I'm not sure. I think you got it from the Gauntlet um, uh, Safety Tool Collective there. Um, yeah. Sorry. It's, um, I, I've always, my lines in Veil Doc, I think the one we use for Happy Jacks is, I clearly don't look at it. Um, I do. I promise oh, I do. But it has the green, yellow, red. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where, uh, so it's, like, green is, like, I want this in my game. Yeah. So if like you can put in the ghosts or whatever. Yeah. Also, um, I someone else said it a while back. It's like everything I learned about uh, TTRPG safety I learned from BDSM. So yep. like it's all the same. Tool. It's all there. Yeah. Exactly. Um, there's also a, a little section um, that I like that's a, that's uh, a rating for interest or romance, like where it's like you check. Uh, it's like romance, interested, NPCs only, PCs, you know, and so you can check like who you're interested in romancing or or none at all, um, which is always helpful too. Um, I'm not sure how much romance I'm going to have in Middle Earth, but you never know. Like Rosie could show up at the tavern and no, sorry, Sam gets hurt. You can't have her, but yeah. I have to talk to you about something stupid after this. <laughs> Tell me now. Oh, uh, my friend is planning like a parlor LARP that is a Hobbit family reunion and I was like can I be the MLM cousin oh my god like I want to be a Hobbit cousin who showed up and has like gotten really into like a lens yeah. spread MLM and that oh my gosh my... can I help you come up with your MLM idea <laughs> I, I had a really okay. like I riffed on a really stupid one and I was like I feel like I'm gonna break this game but it's also okay. like um, for those of you who don't know like American lingo um, MLM is multi-level marketing <laughs> So these companies, like that, where you you basically only make money off of getting other people to sell for you, and it's it's a scam. Google it; it's terrible, but it's very common. As someone who occasionally writes a queer romance podcast, I always think MLM means something else. Yes, Every time that someone is says also it, true. Yeah. Listen, I could be my character can be into both. Great, that's <laughs> wonderful. An MLM, MLM Hobbit. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, that's a thing. One of them is good. One of them is not good. Yeah. The sales one is the one that's bad. Just yeah, hold on. We have to clarify. <laughs> and that's been your weird side segment. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I think, and I think, again, like what you were saying, uh, like if a safety tool is not working for you or it doesn't seem to serve a purpose, like don't do it. Like it's fine. Not everything has to be for everyone. Yeah. Like I don't go swimming with a life jacket like in a pool anymore. I got over that when I was little, so I don't use it anymore. Exactly. So, but... Beware and like I, Kurt, you seem really, you know, cognizant of the fact that when I'm with strangers or online where things can be missed, it's good to use. Um, but look at the, there's so many safety tools too. There you might find one that serves like uh, serves your groups much better and and helps you out a lot more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Good question. Yeah. <laughs> All right, mailbag number two. Someone else. Needs I'm gonna to read. read this. One. Okay, do Excellent. it. Do it. Dearest purveyors of podcast wisdom, I write again with a random musing and question. While recognizing that both books, film slash TV, and video games are different media than TTRPGs and thus do certain things better and worse, we tend to use them for inspiration. On those other media, I find that some of the most memorable things can often be scenes of wonder that take your breath away with the beauty or immensity of things. Think reveals of Rivendell, Moria, and Minas Tirith in the Lord of the Rings films, 
or exploring underground Dwemer ruins in Skyrim, the first time you emerge into a huge cavern to see a whole underground city, yeah. or the descriptions from the Expanse books of the remnants of the proto-molecule civilization, this is where I reveal I've never played Skyrim. So. so much of my life has been sent. Oh my gosh, Sam and I play through it again every year together, and it's, I, well, not that we haven't done it, we have a baby now, so... We don't do it now, but we, we, we started it. Had a baby. We've always had a baby. <laughs> no, because I, I played Skyrim through many times. So at some point I didn't have a baby because I couldn't have done that with the baby. I just, yeah, I just don't play video games. I know I should. Yeah. I, I, don't, have, I yeah. don't have a baby and I'm just bad at video games, but I'll try. Yeah. Like. <laughs> uh, personally, I love these moments and would like to bring similar feelings to my tabletop gaming, but I don't know that I've ever really managed it. I worry that my descriptive capabilities are insufficient to convey the idea and also hesitate to spend too much time info dumping with exposition. I suspect that there's something to be mined in Numenara, but I'm afraid to break it out as I suspect it's become a load-bearing addition to my house, <laughs> along with most people's copies of Traveler 5. Yeah, <laughs> that, guilty of that. I somehow got Stu's copy of Traveler 5 too, so now I have two. <laughs> and neither one of them are any good. They're multiplying. Yeah. <laughs> now there's two. They're gonna. Yeah. They're gonna have yeah, more travel. Yeah. You're gonna, you're gonna have more. Gonna, yeah. He snuck it in like the the studio boxes when he said it over. I was like, what? Uh, have you had successes in this area? Have you have have you any recommended resources, tips, or tricks? Do you think the whole thing is a fool's errand and better left for other media? I'd also take advice on making the mundane seem exceptional, i.e. briefly but effusively describing someone's first taste of chocolate a la the Dutch kid in Band of Brothers. On top of the general challenge of conveying the wondrous, I suspect added difficulty in balancing player versus character knowledge. For example, a typical medieval peasant might be stunned by the exceptional sight of a king walking around, followed by a squire banging coconuts together who doesn't have <laughs> shit all over him, but the player just sees that as a plot element wandering through the world. The player isn't going to think there's anything particularly impressive about a working elevator, but that medieval character would have no concept of working machinery like that. Mm -hmm. Thanks, as always, for your time and efforts. Steve in SoCal. I don't know if I'm any good at this. Like, I'd like to think I am, I but I don't know. I'm like, oh, ooh. Well, as a person at this table who's awesome at this. You are. Yeah. <laughs> Play in your uh, game, true. No, uh, I think, actually, I think this is a thing you share with the players, always. Mm -hmm. I think this is a thing where, if you're like, I I mean, this is the dumbest example ever, because in our um, uh, Kids on Brooms game, we uh, yeah. we included um, Wausau, Wisconsin, <laughs> and I was like, hey, name a place in Wausau, Wisconsin that's mm -hmm. important to you, and like that helped build out this place, and I think... You know, if you want to say this is the most amazing place you've ever seen, what's the first thing you notice? Then, like, that gives everybody kind of a same a vested interest in making this an amazing, beautiful, wonderful place. Mm -hmm. I mean, you want to, like, lay the groundwork. Like, I told everyone, we're in Wausau, Wisconsin. That has a certain set of expectations. We're in the Midwest. You know, we don't. It's not going to be, like, super fancy. But, like, as long as you're saying, okay, this is... You know, we're in the ca the castle of King Smoot or something like that. Um, then everyone's going to, you know, start laying in their own details. I think in general, and this is me approaching it as someone who's a writer, I think honestly, more specific, fewer details are better than trying to convey the scope of everything. Because the scope of everything eventually becomes impossible for your brain to imagine. Mm -hmm. There's a difference between saying, you know... King Smoot's throne room is 500 feet by 500 feet and it's full of birds who all, you know, sing the same song at the same same time. Like, just do the birds. That's cool. Like, just just do that. Um, I, I think... follow-up questions about the birds. You follow-up questions about the birds? <laughs> How do they train them? Uh, well, they all just are born that way and uh, they know uh, what they have to say from birth and I need you to roll 2d6 to see what... Uh, and add plus two to see if you can ask them a question. Oh, no. yeah. Um, but yeah, I think a specific small detail about this throne room is going to convey so much more than telling us everything about it. And then say, hey, player one, what do you think is here? Player two, what do you think is here? Mm -hmm. And that, I think, is really a good approach to doing this. Because I think, in general, that's the advantage TTRBGs have over other media. You know, you're never going to be able to do that thing in... Uh, like in the Lord of the Rings uh, movies where they go into Moria for the first time and you see all of this because, you know, the eye captures all of that in an instant. So it is a question of like 
sharing the burden of making the world wondrous more than it is you having to sit there and write a description that you're going to read because people will tune that out, you know? Although you should include the 500 birds who say the same thing at the same time. <laughs> I'm just thinking about the birds now. Uh, <laughs> To that end, uh, I am a huge fan of offloading my labor onto the players because I'm lazy. It's the secret to GMA. Yeah, it truly is. What do you think happens? Uh, it's why well, I like systems like the kids on brooms mm -hmm. stuff where I'm like, yes, I don't have to do anything. <laughs> um, that said, uh, actionable stuff. I like when I'm struggling with description, throwing in the five senses, and I work backwards, and I like eliminate sight. They're gonna see, you, you're gonna add something to see. Mm -hmm. uh, I always start with smell, because uh, people don't one. think about what things smell like, mm -hmm. and I like to add, and I think it's, it's very evocative very quickly. Um, as far as getting player, and then, you know, what you see the most amazing thing, which is that the prompt, and then the player gets to decide what the most amazing thing is about the space. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's it's improv. You have to get the new yes and. So, you know, they're the 500 birds that all sing the same thing at the same time, which I cannot get over, but also the floor is covered in shit. Like, this, it happens, and there's the constant people cleaning it up, and this, it starts to spiral from there, and you notice when you hit something that everyone's into, the players will run away with it, and then you struggle trying to just reel them back. Mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it works. However, so about the birds <laughs> again, <laughs> are these like local birds? Are they exotic? I know. Are they like the parrots in Pasadena who oh, are God. now local? It's but an invasive like, species. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, for any of the podcast, it's a long old joke from us. Sorry. Nightmare. Yeah. Uh, the thing I, I did like catch on as like, oh, no, is um, the immersion of a player who's like, oh, well, it's an elevator. And you're like, no, 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 you're, uh, you know, Kimmy, you're an, a human, like, you're a person now, but your character is a dwarf from, you know, mm -hmm. ancient times. He's never seen an elevator. Yeah. Um, so it's like, if they're not impressed by the elevator, the player's not impressed by the elevator. That sucks. Mm -hmm. uh, but it gives them a ch you a chance. To, you can even kind of prompt them, I think, and say, like, oh, yeah, hey, this is, like, you've never seen this before, and you notice a lever, and you pull it, and the whole thing goes ding. Like, what do you think it is? And yeah. when they figure it out, they get really excited. That's such a great idea. Like, especially if you're in, like, some sort of setting where you know it really well because you're the GM or you're making it up, you know, as the GM, and the players may not know all the ins and outs of it, like, giving them those reminders, like, oh, you know, you're the country mouse and this is the big city. And, like, framing that at the beginning kind of just to, as, like, a, a reminder of who, what, what mindset they should be in when they're entering the scene. That's a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. I do like playing the guess who the guessing game for players who are the like fish out of water, where you're like, uh, oh, you've never the, the you've never seen this before, and you're totally describing a simple object that people would be familiar with, like an elevator, and then you're just like, I guess people are riding up and down on it. What do you think that is? And then they get to sit there and be like, I don't know, man. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> it also means like you get to do way less prep. Like, oh, hell just, yeah. yeah, you know. <laughs> Um, you could just be like, so we're in hell now. What's hell like? And yeah. then everyone's like, hell is like this. And you're like, thank you. Yes, it is. <laughs> Correct. You're right. <laughs> That's exactly what it is. It's exactly what it is. And there's an orc behind every door. You just don't know it yet. <laughs> I've been struggling with this because running the One Ring, it's a world I love so much. So, like, I find myself kind of spiraling. I think I did this on our last, uh, or I think two sessions ago, we went into Brie. And I just was like, oh, for those of you who don't know, Brie... <laughs> I'm not as in, I, like, I like Lord of the Rings, yeah, but you're far, far deeper in there. <laughs> I mean, I named my kid after Lord of the Rings, so I feel that that's a very, that's a whole new level of deep that's a little excessive. Anyway, but so Bree is like, you know, the, a big town in the Shire. It's in the movies. It's in the books. Um, but like, I was really excited and like one of our characters like lived there. So they had like their grandma was there. And so I, I kind of went into like this deep, you know, kind of description of it, um, which I think was fine. Like everyone at the table seemed interested. If, if you didn't like it, write comments. <laughs> so I know, so I don't do it in the future. But I did kind of go through and made sure because if you're playing in, um, you know, anything that's set, Waterdeep or Neverwinter, I don't know any of the D&D places. Sorry. I think Waterdeep's a place. Waterdeep's yeah, okay. place? Yeah. I, I didn't get it right a couple of podcasts ago. <laughs> I've never played in a, in a, like, 
standard D&D setting. I've only ever played homebrew games in D&D, so I've never played with any of the canon stuff, sorry. Um, but if, if you're playing in something, you need to figure out what your players need to know first. So don't spend 20 minutes describing these really cool birds that I want to know more about and, you know, the color of the sky and the clouds and how tall the buildings are. And then at the end of your, you know, monologue, get to the things that they might need to know. So kind of in your description, if you have information they need, like, okay, you know, you look to the left and it goes to the market. And as you walk in the, you know, the, the city gates and up to the right, you see cottages on the hill. So then they kind of have like, okay, then as they're absorbing the rest of your description, they're processing the information that they needed to know up front. Because as Emily said, as you go on, you know, you know, speaking in beautiful, descriptive language about how amazing this place is, they're going to kind of tune out or, or pick up on things that they're interested in or their character would be interested in and not pick up everything. So you want to put all the front load everything with the important information up front. Um, one of the things that I really try and do, and this is sort of what Emily was doing with asking questions, but I like to try and tie in, like, backstory stuff with the characters like um you know they, they they will go out and it's like this beautiful vista and um you know you you kind of you know you can ask them to add things to it but ask them also feeling questions <laughs> like you know you you haven't seen something this beautiful since you left home two centuries ago elven character who doesn't have a name because i'm bad at coming up with names on the fly you know how do you feel right now you know, or what does the color of the sky remind you of? Mm. And, you know, inevitably it's going to be like my mother's eyes or my baby's eyes or whatever it is, you know. So those questions that are less about how it looks and are more about how the character's feeling as they're taking in those details can really increase, like, the awe and wonderment as well. Yeah, yeah. It's a good thing you didn't have me in your one ring game because I would be like, like I would like figure out a way to create Stephanie Tanner from Full House and just like put her in <laughs> Middle Earth and my fr our friendship would be over. It would, but you could do yeah, it. Yeah, people, you would be like, <laughs> behold, you are here in the halls of Numenor and something, something. I'd be like, I'll talk to the hand. Like, it'd be great. <laughs> but you could do it. And <laughs> sink Numenor. Okay, too bad. Everyone roll new characters. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. But no, our, our friendship would not be over. Uh, and, and that's actually one of the, the neat things kind of going through. I've got Kai, who sits where you're, you're sitting, which is why I'm pointing at you, Emily. Sorry. Um, and they know more than me, probably, about Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and everything. Maybe. Maybe. It's, we're like feeling like we're not, we haven't decided yet. I'm so scared to have you be in a room with you two now. <laughs> I know, it's so crazy. Uh, luckily, I speak Quenya and they speak Sindarin. So there's like a little bit right there. We don't have like elven language fights. Um, only over which one's best, not like actually in the languages. But um, Jay and Dave are, Dave is like, I've seen the movies a bunch of times. And Jay's like, I think I saw the movies one time. So it's one of those things where as, you know, you're doing the descriptions, like it's fun to weave in like the deep lore stuff and like little sprinkles because Kai's like, oh, I get so excited, but also like give kind of the big picture information stuff. So Jay isn't feeling lost or left out. So that's also a thing to balance too, especially if you're playing in a, a you know, a, and trying to describe a place that actually exists in some sort of canon form somewhere that other people can read about. Um, kind of balancing like, okay, what, what do they need to know? And what is really fun to know? Uh, like the 500 birds, like I want to know. I really, we have to. Know we have, that has to be a thing. Like birds. Hexbreakers season two, 500 birds have to be somewhere. I'm, I'm crashing the Hexbreakers game. I will be a bird wizard. Full stop. I don't know how yet. You're in. Great. Yeah. We're doing it. Yes. Season two. Yeah. Um, I will say also, uh, you, uh, Steve and SoCal, you did mention also. You're like, uh, is this better left to other media? Theater of the mind does this, has an unlimited budget. Remember this. <laughs> yes. Unless you're lazy like me and sometimes you go, and we ran out of budget for the castle. Yeah. Um, but you really can do anything. Mm -hmm. So it's really good. You can kind of get away with like, it, it, dumb, dumb things like uh, geography and geometry that don't matter. Like, I don't know how they walk up the stairs upside down. They just do it. Figure it out later. Yeah. One of the things that uh, I think gets overlooked a lot of times is like, like everyone focuses on scenery and how everything's looking. I love that you were saying that you start with smells, 
But I think it's also really important to make sure you're having really great vivid descriptions of the people if there's any people around, especially if they're in like a bustling city or something. So many times it's like you're giving them like the physical like description of what's around them and built in the city and not what the people are looking like or doing or like the smells can be totally like a huge thing, especially in big cities and like medieval type fantasy settings like ooh, like it's gonna not be great <laughs> especially if it's like a crowd you're like the mood of the crowd is a really helpful thing to start with yeah um, i'm also a big fan of putting carnivals in my games uh so i'm a big it, everything smells like funnel cake have fun <gasps> like it always starts like that basically like i start with the i start it might be a cultural thing i start with like the smells and it's always a food thing because i love uh bringing in like cultural food uh and it tells you so much about like the place they're in I um I think it also gives you your players a chance to develop character um because why did your character notice this first like you don't have to ask them that they're starting to think about why my character notices this thing first I think it increases on it also builds character I'm I don't I don't care about world building ever I'm just like if it's if it's cool it's cool um what I'm interested in is like the character's journey through that world and so I think this is a way to kind of have the best of both worlds. Yeah, well, and, like, like immediately they're like, okay, it smells like funnel cake. Does my character like that? Like, it's almost like a million little, like, question prompts that, like, oh, like, that make, make you reflect on your character. And, oh, no, I don't think my character likes, like, fried or sweet things. Like, you know, and, and small things like that, like, in that moment, it might not make a difference. But later on, if they end up at dinner with the king and he makes their beautiful fried food, mm -hmm. then suddenly they're like, oh, now I get to use this little snippet of information that I may never have even thought about if, you know, you hadn't provided that cool description. And it kind of like causes this domino effect with all these other situations later. Mm -hmm. So or maybe they fall in love with funnel cake and then everywhere they go, they're always asking about funnel cake. Hey, do you have any funnel cake? Yeah. And then people are like, what is funnel cake? And it's pretty <laughs> soon. I invented it. <laughs> And, and then by the end of the campaign, like, every village in the kingdom is now, like, making funnel cakes because these storied adventurers have asked for it everywhere they go. So, yeah. yeah. Fun so there, details. There's 500 birds. They're mechanical. <laughs> and they do they do shit everywhere, but it's coins because you insert <gasps> coins into this little oh. thing. And then you select whether you want a dire prophecy, a weather report, or a fart joke. And the birds will provide one of those for you. <laughs> Your tax dollars at work. Yeah. I love this. <laughs> I want, oh God, I love it so much. So then is the bird mage, like the maintenance, like, like, are, is the, the bird mage then charged with like the upkeep and it's almost like techno magic? Yeah. yeah. I have no other friends. Yeah. No. <laughs> nope. Just 500 or mechanical birds. Mechanical birds. It's very intimidating. Yeah. Because I'm imagining them flying around in those like weird flocks. Yeah. That, like, the that murmuring. Are, yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a new game called, um, uh, Briar and Bramble, which mm -hmm. I've been poking at, and it's like got a character called the Flock, which is just like a huge group of beings, and you can send some off and whatever, and like that's that's There's a yeah. tiny woodland creature game I don't know about. Yes. Oh, oh shit, that's very cool. We're, we're going to talk. I need to know. I need to know. <laughs> this is gonna go on my my shelf of unplayed games along with Wander Home and Humblewood. Oh man, I like. Oh, yeah, and Root. Root's and Root, I have yeah. Root. Yeah. I, Never played any of my woodland what? creature games. The RPG Mouse Guard. Yeah. No, oh, I played the, Root the, the... I played Root the... Um, the board the, the, game. The board game. Yeah. I'm bad at it, but I will continue to play it because yes. I want to just... I just... I want to relive Redwall. Yeah. I just want to live in Redwall forever. Yeah. I have the quick start for the Magpie RPG version. I have it. I have yeah. the book. I, I'll go through it and oh, I'll yeah. see if I can actually yeah, I do something with it. <laughs> I, I want to run a campaign of one of those at some point. We should. Yeah. We'll, just... we'll add you to that. Hell yeah. I've, I, I'm in three or four We're gonna uh, groups that are like, we're gonna do a Redwall game. <laughs> I'm. It was... I'm irreparably changed, if you didn't notice, by, like, me being obsessed with the food in a world. Like, irreparably changed by Brian Jakes. <laughs> yeah. One dance. I'm writing right now. Um, there's a, a Kickstarter from, like, now two years ago. Um, it's called Fat Magic, which is an, a magic, like, a food magic, uh, like, world built for to use 5e. So I'm writing an adventure for it. Oh, yeah. um, and it's based on the... 
TV and also cookbook series, which is the um, salt, fat, acid, heat. Mm -hmm. So each part of the adventure has like, they're trying to collect one of those elements for this big magical dish because this famous um, like food mage, because all food magic is food based in the world. And this uh, food mage is like retiring. So she's giving like this big final thing. It's it's going to be wild and very fun. It's like I'm the first <laughs> I've been excited about writing like a D&D &D thing because it's not at all D&D &D. and I'm like all my hours watching like cooking shows it's going to pay <laughs> off because I don't cook so it's going to finally pay off it's I'm just the knowledge you retain yeah. like I know how to theoretically cook yeah I'm going to order but like I yeah. theoretically know how to do it I, I don't <laughs> I, I don't burn water except sometimes when I forget and it's there and then and it's like two hours later I'm like what is that weird smell I don't even have the excuse of having, like, a child that I, w I was paying attention to. I just am bad. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but I kind of, like, want to steal, like, the thought of that, like, a food, I don't know, and make it for something other than D&D. &D. <laughs> there's a, I was going to say, there's a whole genre, like, tradition in anime of, like, food anime. Yeah. And, like, ah, yeah, no, cooking anime. Let's, let, I'll be in your next star whatever. Okay. I'll, and we'll do, like, James and the Giant Peach, but in space. Yeah. So. Starscape, like an enormous donut. Yeah, yeah. I just read. I, I just did a huge rewrite on a bunch of the mechanics, like the character books are this, or the, the character, the playbooks. That's what they're called. I, I, I have a child. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sleep. This kind of new thing. Like Emily and I always. Um, but yeah, I have to test it out. I was. I, I sent out a bunch of like things. I was like, oh, maybe we can test it tomorrow. And a bunch of people were like, um, that's New Year's Eve. I'm like, oh. Okay, I have a child that wasn't going to do anything. I forgot that it was a special day because I'm just going to do the same thing. Whoop. The I sound blanket just fell. It's fine. Okay, continuing. I'm like terrified I did. I had anything to do with that. Uh, you did not. Letter three. Oh, God, I forgot we have to read these out loud. You do. Hi, Happy Jackers. I found Happy Jacks in late 2014 as I was looking to get back into gaming after a long hiatus. Your podcast inspired me to start DMing again. And I now have a weekly, a regular weekly D and D campaign, which has been going strong for six years straight. Damn. Nice, good job. Nice. Uh, about an hour ago, I just completed a feat that I'm not sure is even po even possible anymore. I have finished the entire Happy Jacks advice show backlog. Holy shit! Amazing. <clears throat> When I started listening in 2014, I started all the way back on episode one from uh, 2009 and have been finishing one to two episodes a week on my daily uh, commute to work. Wow. In early 2020, I was about 15 months behind when COVID hit and I no longer had a commute. I fell behind a bit, but when I started going back into the office in late 2021, I picked up the pace again. Yesterday, I spent the entire day putting together an Ikea, uh, Ikea furniture for my kids with the headphones on, with headphones on, um, catching up in the last two months of episodes, finishing the last episode this morning. Yay! Congratulations! Congrats. Uh, I don't know if I should say it. congratulations or I'm sorry, but I'm so, yeah, thank you. Damn. Uh, <laughs> there's been so many, uh, there's been so many great RPG historical moments over the years that you discussed uh, to hear early discussion on the novelty of using iPads at the game table and the, the rise and fall of Google Hangouts, uh, first use or early audio video uh, chat systems, and the rise of virtual tabletop software, software, MeWe. <laughs> I actually got an account only because of Happy Jacks. And of course, Steve Jackson and his idea generator. Oh, stork. I actually don't know that reference. Okay, so Steve Jackson actually came on the show, and we were doing, like, a, 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 he was part of the, he's doing an episode with us, but we also did some interview questions with him, and, like, Stork, like, we've never really done an interview. Like, we were, it was back in the olden days of the podcast, so Stork was like, so, like, where do you get your ideas? And Steve Jackson, Jackson like, that, that's a stupid question. Like, it was so great. We all just, like, lost it. That stork, like, at first I think he was mortified, but then he just started laughing. He's like, yeah, you're right. That's kind of a stupid question. It was it was very... Damn. Yeah. Like, stork got burned, but it was also, like, kind of well-deserved. I I would never recover. I just... I know. <laughs> <laughs> I want to thank you so much uh, all for all the entertainment and di diverse viewpoints that make uh, you one of the best podcasts out there. I promised myself uh, to write you a letter if I ever caught up, and here you go. Thanks, DMP. P.S. I'm an old guy with a lot of great RPG stories from back in the day, and we'll be sending them in when I get the chance. Woohoo! P.P.S. Very excited that you are re uh, reprinting Decima as I could use a second set. I let my son borrow my copy as he is an aspiring game master, and I doubt I'll see it again. Aw, thank you. I appreciate that. Oh, it's weird to think about, like, 2009. Like, I started doing episodes, I think, 
late 2009. I didn't, I wasn't in the first like chunk of them. Um, but I don't know, it's just like wild. And yeah, it, it's actually not possible to listen to all of them anymore unless there's a few people who have downloaded them all. But um, a couple years ago, Stu and I made the executive decision that like the first few seasons, one, seasons one through 10 do not age well. Damn. Yeah. <laughs> and part, part of it's like the recording, but part of it is also how we have changed as people and what we've learned is and is not acceptable. And the person I was at 22 or something and the things I thought were cool and sexy and feminist at that time are cringeworthy now. And <laughs> things like that where it's just like reflecting and like, yeah, this is not who we are anymore. And we this isn't like what represents us anymore. So we took most of those down. I think you can start listening with episode 10, except for the Matt Mercer episode, which I heavily edited because otherwise Matt Mercer would probably, I have a lot of curse words from Matt Mercer saved on my hard drive, just FYI. <laughs> so that one's the one I think that's still publicly available in its new uh, streamlined form. That's valid. Yeah. I'm legally not allowed to say how old I was in 20, uh, 2009, so. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm so glad you showed up, Clara. <laughs> I was like, did you put this in here because you wanted to call me? No, uh, it is cool to see how the like medium has grown. Um, not just the world of TTRPGs, which has exploded, and I'm very happy to see all of the things change. But um, the uh, world of talking about TTRPGs, uh, because just just when I was told about Happy Jacks, even like when I first joined the Wise and stuff, and I was like, oh, there's this whole podcast. Um, I We did not have many contemporaries that I knew of or could find easily. Mm -hmm. they, uh, there were plenty of people out there, I'm sure. Uh, and now it seems to have exploded, especially because of the pandemic. Yeah. Everyone managed to acquire a microphone and was like, I should talk about this. Yes. <laughs> um, so it's, I think it's very cool that like... We've changed, but we're still here. Yeah, like the, yeah. the core is kind of the same of like friends hanging out and talking about stuff. And, you know, because like we don't do like casting like a lot of channels do or things like that. It's like, hey, do you have any friends? It's, you have to be somebody's friend. And like they are have you to. Cool? cool. Yeah, yeah, because we only want cool people. So it's like, hey, are you cool? Are they cool? You're, you're going to. So it's like that more than anything. But yeah, it's like when we started in 2009, there weren't podcasts by themselves were not a big thing. Um, there weren't very many, and there were even fewer for tabletop RPGs. And there's still a couple of us out there from, like, the old days. Like, Fear the Boot is still around. They've kind of changed a little bit, too. They're very different than they used to be. Um, Role-playing public radio is still around. But I think they might be the only ones from, like, way back in the day back then that are still kind of around. And there were only, a, like, a handful of us. There weren't very many. We all knew each other, and we were all on each other's shows all the time. Um, and then, like, it slowly has become much more popular. Um, I realized it was, a, it was like, I think it was like 2017 when things really started kind of blowing up. Because that's when, like, we used to be in, like, the top five of Apple Podcasts and gaming, like, constantly. We were always, like, super high at the top. And then it's, like, slowly we really started dropping down because there's just so many more. And then, like, so many more, like, completely professionally produced ones and things like that. So it's just kind of interesting to see how everything's changed. Like the number of games has gone up. The number of people talking about games has gone up. The number of people playing games and streaming it slash podcasting it. It's just, it's wild. It's, it's, it's also kind of gratifying because that's kind of always been our goal. Like you don't make a podcast to keep your hobby small. <laughs> I mean, maybe somebody does, but that's a silly, silly thing to do. It's called gatekeepers. <laughs> yeah. Right. Gatekeepers. This is about my hobby that I don't want you to do, even though you listen to me talk about it. Yeah. Yeah. Which I'm sure there's things like that. <laughs> but like, that's like from the beginning, we started, you know, we were gaming together and we were talking about it at fair all the time. And we're like, hey, we have a recording studio. We should do a thing called a podcast. Um, and it, it was one of those things where we were like, hey, there are more players than there are GMs slash DMs. And we were much more like D&D focused in the beginning even too. And so our whole idea of the podcast was like, hey, we're going to start giving people tips about how they can start learning how to GM and DM. And then from there, it kind of just like spiraled into hanging out and drinking and talking about random things and get advice of all types and other things, a lot of other things and music randomly, things like that, too. So 
But yeah, the goal has always been to grow the hobby and get more people to run games so more people can play games. <laughs> so we're just going to take credit for all of it. Right? That's it. us. Yeah, we, we did, did it. it. Yeah, you, did did, it. you heard it here first. Happy Jack saved me. Yeah. I have to say that I was not playing games in 2009. I started in 2011, I yeah. think. And I went to Strategicon to write an article for the website I worked for at the time, which is still online and is the transest thing ever. <laughs> Um, uh, it, it's not hard to find. It's uh, it's uh, it's on the AV Club. It's called Dungeons and Dragons. It's written by me. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I remember that uh, I was there with my friend Mike, uh, the designer Mike Olson, and mm. he was like, uh, "Hey, listen, Happy Jacks does a thing at the convention. We should go see it." And I was like, "What the fuck is Happy Jacks?" That's <laughs> everyone's first reaction. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, um, we probably should, you know going back. If I could time travel, maybe a name that had something to do with. Anything with gaming? I was gonna say we, you got in on the at the level where you could have named it something relevant, and you picked Happy Jacks. <laughs> I didn't pick. That's true. That's true. Okay, I do. Yeah. I do want to know DMP. What you think of Kimmy's character arc across all these seasons? I want to know. Oh man, how you feel? Oh my gosh. Yeah. So yeah, I, I rolled my character as like the sexy girl, as like the sexy young girl on the podcast, um, and then who hadn't who. Who'd gamed with like some friends and mostly was like a an MMO player, and brought that in and almost all my advice and something to do with like MMOs or something. It's, I mean, at the time we were playing 4E, so it was actually sort of applicable. It is. <laughs> Super one, hundred percent. And then kind of like from there, and then slowly, and then like the baby adventure of like running my first game and like which I did at a convention because evidently I like jumping in the deep ends both feet like. It was amazing. I ran my first game at a con. Yeah, yeah, you got to do it. Yeah, I'm scared of con games. Yeah, (laughs) I'm scared to play in con games because I'm a weenie. Followed by uh, one day, I will play. I will run a game on a place where people can rewatch it. In a, I'm very terrified of that. I did do one. I did break the seal on playing a game on running a game on a stream, and it was a one shot. And randomly on Jason's channel. Yeah, who am I? for us. Yeah, I know. I'm working on it. It'll be the it'll be the little woodland creatures show. I'm That'd sure. That'd be so fun. Unless Emily takes it from me, please take it from me so I don't have to do it. I can poge in with you too if you want to do that. And um, then like that, that helps sometimes. I know. I gotta do it at some point. Yeah. On one day, I it is funny. 2009. I did learn to play. I did get back into D and D slash TTRPGs because I wanted to impress a boy, and I will stand by that because I am a fake nerd girl. Oh, yeah, totally. I am, I am the fake nerd girl who joined the hobby to impress someone. It did not work. Mm-hmm. Just throwing that out there. Yeah. That's why I cosplay, too. I spend yeah. hundreds and thousands of dollars and hundreds of hours of my time like painstakingly reconstructing things that aren't actually physically possible just to make other people like me, not because I enjoyed it all. Yeah. This I, is sarcasm, FYI. <laughs> I, I also got into TTRPGs to impress a boy, but I didn't realize it at the time. Mm-hmm. I was just like, this boy seems neat. Why does he seem so neat? I'm going to play some games. <laughs> For me, Stu was like, hey, you know about gaming stuff? And like we were talking to the three, you want to come be on a podcast? What's a podcast? That's what I think was my verbatim answer. In fairness, that's how you recruited me. You're like, you play games, right? I'm, that's yeah. An, I, yeah, I still. I'm like, hey, hey, you're cool. <laughs> you ran slow. Come over here. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> that's pretty much what I do. I, I go to events now, and like, I just adopt new people, and they're just like, oh, hi, and then they become part of the family. That's yeah. that's why I'm here. Yeah. Like, yeah. I... That's how my character arc ends. Like, I started as like hot token girl and now I'm like group mom. Okay, everybody come to does everybody have their snacks for the game today? Okay, everyone use their safety tools. All right, make sure you're looking at your microphone, everyone. Oh my god, I love it so much. It's hundred percent me. I'm here for I'm here for podcast mom. We love it. <laughs> yeah, <it's cool. laughs> we would not be here without you quite literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. I this is how I I'm I'm very neurodivergent and I have trouble sustaining friendships if there's not like a, a reason so i i end up making communities and i end like that circle around like different things like the wives were a big thing for a long time and fair and this is my thing it's like okay i'm building friendships building all these things and it's fun when you like 
introduce friends, and then they become like friends on their own, and then they branch off into friendships. And going to Adam and Joy's wedding was very satisfying to me. I was like, I did that. I did that. Physically hurt how happy I was. So good, right? Someone did, in someone. Go ahead. Did it work out? I was going to ask yeah, someone in chat. I was asking did it work out. No, at the time I didn't realize what I had was a crush. I realized that like ten years later, when I interrogated my sexuality after I came out as trans, mm -hmm. and like. So then he was married and had a baby. And I was married the whole time, too. And now I have a baby. So I don't think it's going to happen in this life. But <laughs> next time, you never know. You never Might know. happen. Yeah. And sometimes happen. crushes are just great as what they are. Crushes are nice. And they got this one got me into a hobby. So. <laughs> there you go. So we're very grateful for this crush. Yeah. <laughs> you're here and with us. And you're our friend now because of this crush. <laughs> we win. Yes. Well, you can win crushes, it turns out. Yeah. Absolutely. What has he gotten out of my crush? Nothing. <laughs> That's why it's called a crush. Yeah. Well, see, now you have a podcast you can invite him on. <laughs> Listen. Is that, does that need to be a... Um, mm -hmm. That's a weird way to hit on someone now that I'm thinking about it. Like, I feel like everyone I feel like everyone I hang out with has a podcast now. Like, yeah, yeah, now, oh it, now it's like... This is, this, is a, this is a good one, though. Yeah. So, yeah. Are we allowed to tell stories from your baby shower? Yeah. Go okay. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> your baby shower... Like, we're there, and, like, we do a part where we're all kind of sharing. Like, we're going around and, like, sharing how we know the couple and all these things. And, like, I was, like, the second person, and I thought it was going to be a really funny joke because, like, the first person was, like, oh, you know, I know Emily because, you know, I work on their podcast. And I was, like, I know Emily because I have a podcast. And I was, like, ha, 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 this is so funny. And, like, there's, like, eight more people down the row, and oh, everyone, no. it became this big joke of, like, all these people. It was literally, like, over a dozen people who are like, I know Emily because of a podcast. <laughs> it's hilarious. I like, I had, I started my first podcast in 2009. It's no longer available. It was called TV on the internet, but my wife and I started that podcast and I've been in the world ever since. Mm -hmm. And like, so I know a lot of people from podcasting. <laughs> but, hmm. Yeah. See, now we just need to start like networking now. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. All exactly. the things. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we've, the podcast waxed probably. poetic about our our histories so Very thank you sweet. congratulations or thank you or i'm sorry about finishing our backlog i'm a little i'm a little disappointed dmp because there wasn't like a drink at the end of it and usually that's one of the big yeah take a drink yeah fine. i didn't bring a drink but there was a ps there was so a ps props to that and a pps mm -hmm. and a pps that's very true um, all right. So thank you for joining us for season 31, episode nine. Please visit monkeyspawgames.com to support our amazing indie designer of the month, Nuba Rose. And thank you to our chat mod, James V. Woohoo! And to all our amazing patrons who keep us ad-free and independent. We get to play the games and talk about what we want, being totally honest with our audience because of your amazing support. Um, visit happyjacks.org slash Patreon if you want to join their incredible ranks. My name is Kimmy. I'm Emily. I'm Clara. <laughs> And today we're going to leave you with a song. It's called Troll Whack. And it is by our friends, the Dread Crew of Oddwood. And uh, they have a very cool, piratey metal acoustic sound. Um, and you can find them at thedreadcrewofoddwood.com. Yes, you have to type thedreadcrewofoddwood.com. I don't know why it's a very long URL, but do that. And you can find them. And please enjoy. And we will see you next week. Bye.
This show is a product of the Happy Jacks RPG Network. The Mary Sue's performed our intro music, and our ending song was played with the express permission of the artist. Visit happyjacks.org for more information and to find all our streams and podcasts.